Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Today's podcast we will call, for the moment the working title is, Knee-Jerk Liberals and Other Anomalies of Western Civilization. So let's begin at the beginning. Where shall we begin? Let's begin with white people in the safe white suburbs where all of the Biden flags and bumper stickers have been replaced with Ukrainian flags and Ukrainian bumper stickers. The same people who would not be caught dead with an American flag are now proudly waving a Ukrainian flag. <coughs> the same people who despise those of us who want our borders, language, and culture preserved, calling us racists, nationalists, rightists, Hitler, the same vermin uh, are now screaming for uh, bombs and bullets for Ukraine so they can defend their borders, language, and culture. Yeah, liberalism sure is a mental disorder, and knee-jerk liberalism is not a new phrase, but here they are in living color. I wake up this morning, and these are the stories that I chose to put up on michaelsavage.com. The first is, and I should go into detail on this one a little later, I was searching and found an article in the New York Times from February of this year where they were calling Zelensky a comedian not up to the job. That's right. You heard me correctly. A comedian not up to the job. That's how they define Zelensky. Now, hold on now. Hold on now before you get mad at me. Here's the headline itself. New York Times uh, opinion. Zelensky, Putin, blah, blah, blah. I'll read the article for you later. Now, don't get me wrong now. What Russia is doing is horrendous. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. So I'm not taking sides, but Zelensky is not up to the job, and he's part of the problem, in my opinion. Okay? This could have been stopped before it started, but I'm not there. I'm here. Look at the other stories that I found today. Biden calls First Lady Jill Biden uh, Obama's vice president. This is, this is the man who has his finger on the nuclear football? Biden calls first lady Jill Biden Obama's vice president. This is the man who's in charge of the world, the world order. Okay, I rest my case on that one. Let's see. Uh, Breitbart picks Ukraine forces find bodies littering streets as Russia retreats from Kiev. Nightmare. If it's true, and I really have no doubt that it is true, it's a war crime. Now, you could say it's photoshopped. You could say the Ukrainians did it themselves. I don't believe it. I believe it's gotten so vicious that it's true. Next one, my headline. Minority gang viciously attacks a lone Jewish guy in religious garb. New York City teen charged with a hate crime 
as a group of minorities. They didn't say that. Attacks Hasidic man in Brooklyn. To me, hyenas have more dignity than these people who did this. That's all. Very simple. New York City teen. That's a code word. You know what the word teen is a code word for, don't you? They're the same teens who are rampaging through New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and all points east. Yep, they're called teens. No one dare say what it is. And what would you do about it? Nothing. I'm just watching my world melt down. I'm watching the apocalypse. And I can't believe how quickly it's melted down. It's hard for me to believe that this is going on in our country today. Yesterday was a Trump rally. I watched the speech toward the end. I actually had tears in my eyes. He made me have hope. That's if we ever get there. I don't know that we can ever get there again. And so I appeared on the Newsmax TV show before the rally, and I said, we had order under Trump and chaos under Biden. Anyone want to argue with that? You want to call me names? We had order under Trump and chaos under Biden. End of story. He has a doctor who calls whites birthing people, but blacks and Hispanics moms. And she's working for Obama. It's on my website. Who is this goon? Who is this doc? A top city health official. Look at the face on this one. And progressive crusader. In other words, a left-wing fascist bastard. Ignited a firestorm which used different terms for white and minority mothers. Dr. Michelle Morris, doctor, imagine what a doctor this one is, the chief medical officer of the Department of Health in New York City, touted a new birth equity initiative to provide more midwives, more midwives and doulas to moms in a series of tweets using the work term birthing people instead of pregnant women. Mortality rates, she said, of birthing people are too high. And babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in the city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people, she said. She canceled the word women, and she differentiated mothers by race. White mothers are called birthing people, and black and Puerto Rican mothers are called mothers. This is a woman with a medical license? I wonder how she got through medical school. Pure racism, pure hate speech, and she is a chief officer at the Department of Health. I wonder how she got through medical school. Yeah, okay, let's move on to the other stories of the day here on the Michael Savage podcast. It's sickening. Oh, God. Russia vows to target British weapons after rocket attack escalates Ukraine war. Keep throwing weapons into a, into a war and see what happens. No peace. None of the countries are talking for peace. None. Apocalyptic price of Ukraine's victory in Irpin. The city's leveled its ruins. Now, here's the story I really wanted to look into. Again, the Ukrainians are the victims, no question about it. The Russians are the aggressors, no question about it. But Zelensky is part of the problem, not part of the solution. So, I mean, I could read you the whole article on what they said about him before the war broke out, if you could handle it. I don't know if you can handle it, though. Maybe you should just go to my website and find the article. It's down in column three. The comedian turned president is seriously in over his head. That's the title of my, my title of the article. I'll read a little bit of it because you don't want to listen to the whole story. Now, remember that they published this in the New York Times just before the war broke out. It's not hard to guess what President Zelensky of Ukraine must be craving right now one normal day. The comic turned president. Oh, really? They remember he was just a comedian? Surely never imagined the job would be quite so intense. First, he got tangled up in the impeachment of Donald Trump. 
Then he had to deal with the COVID pandemic. And now he's facing the prospect of a full-scale invasion by Russia. This is just before the invasion. And they go on. They say the threat is total. And Mr. Zelensky, a comedian for most of his life, is in over his head. You can read the rest of the article about the man in the undershirt, a world leader in an undershirt with a cross on his chest. I don't trust people to put their hands over their heart when they're talking to me. Let me put it to you that way. And what's with the muscles and then the, the, tapping his heart? The Ukrainians would be better off with someone else at the helm other than this putz. This would be like having Howard Stern as president of the United States. But that's what they have in Ukraine now. An actor who's acting the role of Winston Churchill when he's the farthest thing from Winston Churchill. They need someone who knows how to settle this dispute before they all die and before the world goes up in flames. At least that's one man's opinion, which is what you're paying for here. And if you don't like it, I can't help it. It's one man's opinion. How about the doll that uh, Obama's putting up to be on the Supreme Court? Katanji Brown Jackson. See, they have it all set up. It's three initials. K-B-J. They had to pick someone with three initials. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. R-B-G. K-B-J. You say it's not that simple? I say it is. Now, he could have chosen an African-American judge who was a liberal, not a psycho, and stupid at that. She's stupid. She's just stupid. In a baby sex torture case, she chose leniency. Read the story. It's not about her race. It's about her dumbness. Michael Savage, a host like no other. What else is in the news? Watch Rand Paul saying once upon a time, Anthony Fauci could tell the truth about natural immunity. You haven't heard the words natural immunity recently, have you? Oh, no. Just get another shot, another jab, another booster. Shot, jab, booster, shot, jab, booster. Hey, all roads lead to Pfizer. Fauci should be in prison for what he's done to this world. Have you ever heard of a bureaucrat who's lasted 45 years inside a bureaucracy other than a corrupt bureaucrat in, let's say, a a despotic nation? Well, here we are. He's a despot of the medical complex, the medical government complex. Natural immunity, natural immunity, natural immunity, folks. There's another interesting article that I chose is insult diplomacy working by Pat Buchanan. And he's talking about the insults that are coming out of the mouths of Biden about Putin. And he says it's difficult to recall an American president using such a string of epithets about the leader of a nation with which we were not at war. What is Biden's rationale? What is his purpose here, asks Pat Buchanan. And to put it in the historic context, he says FDR and Harry Truman, to their eternal embarrassment, called Joseph Stalin, a far greater monster than Putin, good old Joe and Uncle Joe, when they sought his cooperation in World War II in the early post-war era. He says Richard Nixon toasted the century's greatest mass murderer, Mao Zedong, in the Great Hall of the People during his historic trip to China in 1972. His purpose to establish relations with America's most hostile adversary to help Nixon advance a generation of peace. But when it comes to depicting Putin, who launched this invasion of Ukraine, Biden repeatedly reaches for the harshest of rhetoric, calling Putin a killer, a war criminal, a murderous dictator, a pure thug and a butcher. So that's what he's saying. What else is in the news? Global food crisis. Oh, we can all see that coming. 
good portion of the world's urea, which is the basis for fertilizers. Fertilizers comes out of Russia. Russia threat agri supply only for friendly countries. You've seen nothing yet. Wait till we have food riots in America. Wait, wait till you have food riots in America. Wait till you see what the teens do then. The teens with their parkas, their $500 parkas. Where'd they get them from, these teens? Which store did they rob them from? Whatever happened to the crowds breaking into stores and robbing them? Where'd they go? And now finally for this morning on the Michael Savage podcast, let's see. German health minister still wants forced vax despite lack of parliament support. Sieg Heil! Sieg Heil! Forced vaccination! Israel warns of any more terror attacks ahead. I had an apocalyptic vision of a million Arabs overrunning Israel's borders from every side. You want to think about a problem? Think about that one because it's coming. Think about this. Think very carefully. Think about what Iran did during the Iran-Iraq war, which everyone has forgotten. A million young Iranians were forced to run across minefields to invade Iraq. The Iranian mullahs, the friendly Muslims over there, the hateful demagogues from the religion of pieces ran a million young men through barbed wire and over minefields to fight the Iraqis. A million died. You don't know that. How many do you think they would sacrifice to overrun Israel and take away the land of the Jews and to kill every Jew and take the property that they built? How many do you think they'd sacrifice? Now, if I'm imagining this in a nightmare, could you imagine what they're thinking? in their apocalyptic vision. Oh, there's a lot more news. We could talk about oil in addition to food shortages. Here's an Alabama GOP Senate hopeful, Mike Durant, in 2011 said disarming the population would be a pretty good step toward law and order. What? A GOP Senate hopeful, not a left-winger? Disarming the population? Alabama GOP Senate hopeful, Mike Durant, in 2011 said disarming the population would be a pretty good step toward law and order. Uh, in U.S. cities. U.S. Army veteran Mike Durant, frontrunner in Alabama's U.S. Senate Republican primary. Isn't it? Disarming the population. Not disarming the teens. Not disarming the gangs from south of the border, but disarming you and preventing you from uh, protecting yourself. And he says, why don't we do that here? And this genius said, because it's hard. It can result in rioting and widespread rebellion. And, you know, making the situation worse than it already is. But for some reason, we sort of hand wave all that kind of stuff and go ahead and hand all those missions down to our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. I don't know what he's talking about, but he's running for the Senate as a Republican. Mike Durant. Known for his heroic military service in Mogadishu, Somalia, during the Black Hawk Down incident in 1993. Well, I'll say this and I'll say it again. Not all soldiers are geniuses. And not all soldiers make good politicians. Okay? Not all brave men are smart. And not all cowards are stupid. By the way, take a look at the cowards running the government right now. Some of them are very smart, by the way. Should we go around again about the atrocities in Ukraine? Iran beginning to understand this. Oh, yes, one last little story just popped up this beautiful Sunday morning. Six dead, ten injured in early morning shooting in downtown Sacramento. Now, they don't report who shot who, why they were shot. Busy street with revelers. Who's reveling on a Sunday morning? Oh, 2 a.m. local time. I'm sorry. It was last night. 
near the Golden One Center at an arena where the Sacramento Kings basketball team, oh, a basketball, I got it. I can't say what it was. I don't think it was a bunch of priests to you. Who's at a nightclub at two in the morning? I don't think it's white priests to you. Young lady draped in blood, violence, blocks from the state capitol, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it gets worse by the second. It gets worse by the second. It's like an apocalypse in front of our eyes. Still no report of the shooters, the shooties. No shooters, no shooties. Live updates. No description of the killers. No description of the victims. 2 a.m. near the 1000 block of K Street. Of course, the uh, mayor out there, the liberal mayor, is asking for thoughts and prayers. That's all they're good for us. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers from the mayor of Sacramento. The police chief, of course, is a minority woman. Oh, well, what else would you have? You got to have a minority woman. By the way, the story's not even reported in the San Francisco newspaper yet. They haven't awoke yet to their awokeness. That's what's going on in the world. Shall I go on or we've had enough acoustic news of the morning? I don't know. I can't stop. I try not to look at the news. I Believe me, I try. Honestly, I do. I swear I do. I promise I do. Trump last night said America never felt so low and so dejected. A thousand percent true. America never felt so low and so dejected under this degenerate bum that we have now running it. What else is going on? Uh, there's so much horror. But, but there's no more about the six dead and nine sh injured in Sacramento shooting. They don't know the suspects. So uh, Sacramento Police Chief Kathy Lester, selected for her genius and for her bravery not, had uh, this to say. This is a very complex and complicated scene, said Lester. Issued a plea to the public. Sacramento Mayor left-wing fanatic Daryl Steinberg said this on Twitter. Here's the mayor now. Words can't express my shock and sadness this morning. The numbers of dead and wounded are difficult to comprehend. We await more information about exactly what transpired in this tragic incident, said Sacra Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. That's the mayor. That's the police chief. No law, no order. Just lawlessness and disorder under liberalism, the mental disorder. And as I said at the beginning of this diatribe, knee-jerk liberals, whatever they run, they destroy. Have a nice morning. I'm Michael Savage. Share it with 100 others. See if I care. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. And right now on the Michael Savage Podcast, we have part two of this incredible interview that I had the fortune to conclude with Dr. Peter Pry. Now, Dr. Pry is the executive director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security. It's a very big deal, and it's dedicated to um, protecting the United States from electromagnetic pulse EMPs, cyber attack, mass destruction, terrorism, and other threats to civilian infrastructure. And the fact is, part one was such a big hit, we now have part two. In part two, we discuss what Russia's nuclear capabilities are, what an EMP attack, God forbid, would do, and the chances that we will experience some kind of cyber attack or EMP attack, as discussed by the doctor. Also, what Biden should be doing to protect the U.S. Uh, I think that's an oxymoron. 
right now, the Dr. Pry interview, part two on the Michael Savage podcast. What are Russia's nuclear capabilities? We, you, you just described the fact that NATO has 100 or so n- nuclear weapons. Yeah, about 100 tactical nuclear weapons. OK, uh, and, and what does Russia have? Russia's got at least 2,000. It, it might have 8,000, according to uh, uh, depend, depending upon which estimates you have. So they have at least a 10 to 1 advantage in the numbers of their tactical nuclear weapons. And unlike our tactical nuclear weapons, which are, are just stored in bunkers, and they're just gravity bombs, they have to be delivered by airplane, uh, Russia has tactical nuclear weapons for all of its services. You know, the Navy has tactical nuclear weapons. The Army has tactical nuclear weapons. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, uh, their, their artillery has tactical nuclear weapons. So you could have a situation where if you were having an air battle between our air forces and their air forces, you know, the Russians could have tactical nuclear weapons on their air-to-air missiles, you know, and take out not just one, but many of our airplanes uh, that way. A Russian uh, artillery piece could resolve a tank battle by firing a tactical nuclear weapon. And the characteristics of these, of Russian tactical nuclear weapons are uh, much more, they're much more advanced. They have ultra low yield tactical nuclear weapons. So you can dial the yield down very low so that it might be less than one kiloton, just enough to take out a bridge. Or you could take that same weapon and dial it up high enough to deal with whatever tactical situation you might encounter, whether it's destroying an armored company, an armored battalion or an armored brigade you know although they have tactical nuclear weapons that are clean they produce no radioactive fallout so you don't have to worry about the fallout that the biden administration has been talking so much about they also have nuclear weapons for specialized effects that just put out neutron radiation for example that cause very little damage to uh to buildings but well, are very I, good for the people i had um dr cohen on my radio show back in the 90s. He's since passed away. Yeah, he was a friend. He was a friend. Amazing. He I think he said on the show, Dr. Pry, that one of our presidents dismantled our neutron bombs. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, you know, uh, we uh, we went we went through an enormous effort uh, to get the neutron bomb deployed into Europe under Jimmy Carter. And then Carter lost his nerve because of all the protests that were going on in NATO Europe. After all the, 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 uh, after the governments of Europe had taken the political hit to accept the neutron bomb onto NATO soil, Carter changed his mind and uh, reversed course, and we didn't deploy the neutron bomb. Instead, it basically got dismantled. And we don't have any neutron bombs anymore. They've been dismantled. And, uh, so it was Carter that did this? Yeah, it was President Carter. Uh, oh, my God. You know? And yeah. Russia, Russia has many neutron projectile, neutron bomb-like projectiles. Yes, in fact, they have what's called a mini, mini neutron weapons as well that that are very low yield, uh, uh, produce almost no fallout, uh, and have are are selectable in terms of the neutron kill zone. <sighs> they also have EMP and super EMP weapons. Uh, they have X weapons that are uh, specialized for X radiation, uh, so that you could use these to take out. Uh, ballistic missile warheads. Uh, so EMP. you're an ex- you're an expert in all of this stuff. Have you been called before Congress recently to discuss these possibilities? No, not recently. Not recently. <laughs> of course, it's not important now. Not important enough. So if we could quickly jump to the EMP uh, issue, if if you were to strategize what Putin might do 
with the, these advanced weapons he has compared to the fact that we have no such advanced weaponry. Uh, those that can attack our, our, our um, infrastructure by simply knocking out with an EMP blast, knocking out our infrastructure. I mean, he could turn off our reservoirs and our electric grid, couldn't he? Yes, that's right. He could even paralyze our military forces. So we could not retaliate uh, because these super EMP weapons generate field strengths that are so powerful uh, that the hardening and protection we've tried to build into our ICBMs, our bombers and our, uh, and, on our, on our submarines uh, would be vulnerable. Uh, even uh, against super EMP weapons, which generate. Uh, so even even our military forces would be paralyzed. So we could not project power. We wouldn't be able to engage in nuclear retaliation. Uh, you know, basically the clock would begin ticking toward the death of millions of Americans toward, toward starvation. And then a president would have to decide, what do I do? Try to fight a losing war against uh, against Russia over Ukraine? Or do I put all my surviving resources into trying to rebuild the electric grid and save millions of American lives? Hopefully an American president who uh, will, will rule consistent with the Constitution would choose to save the American people. Yeah, hopefully. Back in 2013, you wrote a book called Apocalypse Unknown, The Struggle to Protect America from an EMP Catastrophe. In a short summary, and I hate to summarize such an important topic, uh, if you were to project what Russia might do to us, what would they take out first with an EMP attack? An EMP attack would take everything out first, you know, because with a single weapon detonated, say, 300 kilometers over the country, the electromagnetic pulse travels at the speed of light and everything would be hit with an electromagnetic pulse uh, in all the 48 contiguous in the United States, most of Canada and a good chunk of Mexico. Uh, our, Our bombers would be hit. Our, our, uh, your, 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 the car in your garage would be hit. The personal computer sitting there at your desk would be hit. NORAD headquarters would be hit. The White House, the Pentagon, everything would be hit at the speed of light all at once. Which is why the Russians regard cyber EMP war, uh, uh, what they call no contact warfare, as the most decisive military revolution in history. Because you could win a war almost at the speed of light. And the whole thing could be over with a single blow. You know, there's an article that came out in New York Times. What if Putin didn't miscalculate? It's exactly what you are saying. Suddenly, the New York Times is saying, wait a minute. What if he didn't miscalculate? Maybe all of these, quote, missteps are not a judgment about Putin's strategic judgment or his mental state. Maybe he knows exactly what he's doing. And um poland uh, biden saying for god's sake this man cannot remain in power then he didn't mean it then he did mean it then he didn't mean it maybe he meant it almost like a jackie mason i meant but it's not a comedic joke when you have a president who is so out of touch with his own mouth uh it reminds me of a word i looked up i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly logaria logaria uncontrollable talkativeness Biden is almost suffering from logaria in that he starts to talk and he can't control himself, but he's not a comedian. Uh, And uh, what if the conventional wisdom about Putin is wrong? What if the West is playing into Putin's hands once again? And now they're quoting Russia's seas of Grozny during the first Chechen war in the mid 90s. And they're saying in the early phase of the war, motivated Chechen fighters wiped out a Russian armored brigade stunning Moscow. 
the Russians regrouped and wiped out Grozny from afar using artillery and air power. And they say that Russia may be operating for the same playbook today. So when Western military analysts say that Putin can't win militarily in Ukraine, what they mean is he can't win if he's playing by these rules. But he certainly can escalate the game by playing by his own rules, which is using some of the weapons you are discussing. Is that correct? Yes. And he may even be winning on the ground now, but we just uh, don't see it, you know, because because we're thinking of Putin's seizure of Crimea and thought that Ukraine would go the same way. Maybe that's not his plan. Here's another possible reality that isn't being talked about. And, uh, you know, uh, the Spanish Civil War. Yes. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the Nazi Germany benefited tremendously from uh, participating in the Spanish Civil War and used the Spanish Civil War to blood its troops, to give its generals experience, uh, and to test out its new tactics and technologies that that uh, were the basis for German Nazi Germany's Blitzkrieg strategy, by which they almost won World War II. But all of that was tested out and proven in the Spanish Civil War. Oh, I'm, I'm aware of it. I have, a, I have Basque friends, and the Battle of Guernica is something that they have never forgotten. Uh, yeah, the a, the image a, of the German Stuka bombers bombing towns in, in, in Spain, they've never forgotten that. Yes, yeah, uh, so if you're Putin and you're planning a World War III, you might just want to check out your technologies, blood your troops. You know, a, a veteran troop that has got combat experience is worth two or three green soldiers. You know, weed out the bad generals, weed out the bad intelligence officers and see how they actually perform in a real war mm. so that you're ready for the, for, the, for the big one when it comes. That's another possible reality. You know, Putin may want a long war exactly to do that so that, so that he'll be ready for the big one when it comes, the, the war that he and China Russia and China plan to wage. Oh, God, I just can't even imagine this. We'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We're back speaking with Dr. Peter Pry. You know, the more we talk, the more uneasy I become. And I, I must tell you this, this becomes very personal to me. Ever since I've been a little child, I have feared that life on earth as we know it would be eliminated. I know it sounds crazy. I'm a man 80 years old tomorrow, God willing. But it's something in the back of my mind. I've always feared that the world that we know would come to an end virtually in a flash ever since I've been a kid. So people said, you're crazy. I remember when I was a little kid, I was talking about this at age five, six or seven. And of course, they thought I was crazy. They took me to doctors. Why is this kid saying the world's going to come to an end? Well, the Bible says your um, your children shall prophesize and your old men shall dream dreams. That's somewhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And I don't know uh, what this is all about. I hope to God this is not a bad dream that I'm living through and then it'll get worse on a scale. I hate to do it in a comedic, no, in a, in a, in a media like way on a scale of one to ten. Dr. Pry, you're the expert, not me. Uh what do you think are the, is the likelihood that our world will be hit with uh, some kind of cyber attack or an EMP blast or worse by Russia? Oh, I think the likelihood is, uh, is very high. Uh, high? Yeah, very high. I, I, I think the, uh, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened tomorrow. 
This is exactly what's happening in Europe now in Ukraine is exactly the scenario that ha there has been a consensus among strategic experts that uh, uh, one of the most likely scenarios for a nuclear war to happen, and that would include a cyber or EMP war. In fact, a cyber or EMP war would happen before a nuclear war, because before you start blasting ICBMs on their silos and blasting bombers on their bases, it just makes sense that a, uh, an adversary would try the EMP attack because that's way of war of you of of uh, of winning the war without having to have nuclear blasts you know that cause radioactive fallout and uh, and all kinds of collateral damage. But uh, uh, you know I I think we're right on the edge now. I mean Putin's sitting in his bunker. His general staff is in the bunker. Mm. Their forces on alert. You know, uh, they're postured for surprise attack. That's what Russian strategic forces are designed for. Uh, if, if what we're being told is true by the mainstream media and, 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 and by the Ukrainians, and Putin is on the ropes, and the Russian army is failing, and Putin is looking at regime change, uh, you know, then the, li the likelihood is very high that he's going to do something desperate. So the very people who are celebrating Putin's desperation are actually increasing the risk of an Armageddon against the United States. Yes, they're so blind. They don't understand it's nothing to celebrate, that we are more at risk if what they're talking about is true. However, I, I'm very skeptical that that is true. Ah. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, I think that this is uh, more likely some other scenario, that this is a Spanish Civil War scenario, or this is a Battle of Austerlitz scenario, uh, if we get sucked into either, uh, 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 but I do think a major war is almost certainly coming. Uh, and uh, if it doesn't happen now, uh, you know, that it's going to be around the corner unless we can make peace with Russia, you know, which is why I proposed in my article, you know, that the United States do the step, undertake the steps that I had suggested earlier, that we raise the DEFCON level to at least match that of the Russian forces and call for a ceasefire in Ukraine and negotiate, you know, an equitable peace on the terms that the of the peace treaty that Russia offered. And it'll tell us something, too, if we do that. If Russia refuses to negotiate a peace based on the terms of their own treaty, then we will know for sure uh, that Putin and Xi and China are basically Stalin and Hitler, and it's 1939, and, uh, and, and Ukraine is Poland all over again. And we're going to have to go through this problem all over again. And, and unfortunately, you know, that means President Biden is going to be our Neville Chamberlain, except he's not nearly as smart and competent as Neville Chamberlain. Neville Chamberlain was very, a very wise man. I mean, people don't know that he's seen as a coward and a, and a, a man who just capitulated. But don't, they don't know how skilled he was uh, prior to that. His own party removed him, by the way, in England, because they have a parliamentary system. His own party moved to vote Chamberlain out. We are stuck with Biden for at least the, the rest of the term or until he can't do it anymore. And then waiting in the wings is something even worse. The cackler. How is she going to be capable of this kind of thought? It's impossible to believe the country's come to this point. How did we get to this point? Can we survive that long? I mean, here we are. It's just a little over a year into the Biden administration, and we are facing this international catastrophe, a possible World War III with Russia that we would lose, uh, you know, because of Biden's bungled Ukrainian policy. And, you know, there's other things. While they're, 
while they're gleefully uh, rubbing their hands under in what's probably a delusion that, that Russia's in trouble in Ukraine, that Putin's going to fall from power. Maybe that's true, but we don't know. I think it's unlikely. Mm. Uh, other things are happening to our national security that are far worse. You know, uh, we as a civilization, the West seems to be incapable of walking and chewing gum at the same time. You know, other things that are happening in the world uh, that are really undermining our national security in a profound way. You know, North Korea has just tested the world's largest mobile ICBM. Uh, and uh, it's uh, capable. Most analysts think that this is going to be what's called a MIRV ICBM. That is, that it'll be capable of ca- carrying multiple independently targetable warheads. And this will exponentially, exponentially increase the nuclear threat from North Korea because they'll be able to put multiple warheads on all of their missiles. This is a bigger threat, a bigger disaster uh, to the U.S. homeland uh, than would be a North Korean invasion of South Korea. Because why, why would China and Russia want to eliminate the United States and wipe us? Off? I mean, they wouldn't wipe us off the map. What would they do? Let's really dig into this, Dr. Pry. They don't want us all dead. What do they want with our country? Well, they might want us all dead. Uh, you know, totalitarian <laughs> states uh, think very differently than we do. Uh, their leaders have risen up from cultures uh, that are zero-sum cultures. Uh, you know, you think, think of them as criminal, criminal gangs, you know. Uh, usually they've gotten to power over the dead bodies of their rivals. And they think of international relations in the same way, that it's not a win-win outcome. Mm. This is the way democracies think of everything. We try to negotiate, achieve a win-win outcome. For them, it's a So you wipe out the opposition gang. Yeah, there's the living and the dead. There's the victorious and the defeated. Oh, God. uh, And so you wipe them out. I mean, that's basically the same way that Stalin and Hitler thought. You know, Uh, uh, incorporate them into your empire. They've got to be completely crushed and subordinate. We might have had a little insight recently into how they think uh, uh, when uh, uh, you may recall late last year, it was, I think, in the early summer when uh, uh, the Japanese foreign minister came out to show that Japan was a good ally to the United States and said uh, that if China invaded Taiwan and the United States went to protect Taiwan, Japan would help. Japan would fulfill its alliance obligations and would would side with the United States to help to try to save Taiwan. And the Chinese reaction to that was, if China did that, we're going to nuke China. uh, uh, I mean, if Japan did that, uh, we're going to tear up our no first use pledge and make an exception for Japan. We're going to uh, 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 make nuclear attacks on Japan until Japan surrenders completely, total unconditional surrender the way they did in World War II. China said that China, China said that they had a video on this. As a matter of fact, uh, they said the North Koreans will join us. The North Koreans will and Russians will join us in nuking Japan. And then after Japan surrenders, we're going to divide the Japan home islands up into uh, into separate countries. And they will be administered by Russia and China. China will occupy some of these uh, of the J- Japanese home islands, and J- Russia will occupy other parts of the Japanese home, home islands, and we will uh, administer Japan and reform Japan to the new world order that way. I so can. You, you fear your worst scenario is that a new world order could emerge because of the weakness, the corruption, 
the stupidity of this administration. We'll be right back. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. We're speaking with Dr. Peter Pry on the Michael Savage podcast. You know, I hate to bring it back to Trump versus Biden. Uh, I'm a great supporter of Donald Trump, and I don't want to turn this into, you know, about it seems that we had a fairly stable world when Donald Trump was president. Why is that compared to now, in your opinion? I think it was I think it was largely because of Trump's personality. He was a very strong president and uh, and unpredictable in the eyes of the enemies, but predictable in this respect that he was a great patriot and he was a fighter. And uh, and uh, and he was very aggressive and would uh, would certainly hit back. And I think our enemies didn't want to tangle with him. Mm. Uh, you know, even though even though, uh, uh, you know, our they they had many of the technological advantages we've been talking about under Trump. Uh, the fact that Trump was such a tough customer, uh, you know, I think deterred deterred them. Now we've got uh, a leader who is uh, a very weak leader. Uh uh, think about the implications of Biden's Ukraine policy uh, for America's the world order that currently exists that we've built since 1945, where the U.S. is basically the leader of this world order, uh, is has been built on security guarantees, U.S. security guarantees to our to our allies. So the credibility of those security guarantees is fundamental to continuing this world order. And basically, in Ukraine, Biden's demonstrated that America's security guarantees are are pretty worthless. You know, he challenged Putin, threatened him, don't cross this red line and invade Ukraine. Russian tanks ran right over that. And now Biden's response is to fight to the death of the last brave Ukrainian and to employ economic sanctions, which I think everybody understands are basically symbolic at this point. You know, it's the, the kind of a thing, the desperate thing that Western leaders do when they want to convince their own populations that they're doing something tough. You and mean the, the sanctions have no real effect? The sanctions have no real effect. Or even Why is that? Why would effect. they have no effect when they, their economy is suffering? Yachts are being seized, planes of the uh, billionaires, zillionaires. Why is it having no effect? Well, they certainly have inconvenience and they certainly raise the cost of doing business and and there's they're effective in that way but if you talk about them being effective as a uh, as a substitute for military strength uh they clearly are not effective in that uh, in that respect if you look at the history of sanctions we've applied for decades sanctions far harsher against north korea to try to stop the north korean nuclear weapons program they've been absolutely useless in in, in achieving the effect that we want the sanctions to have has it hurt the North Korean people? Yes, but it hasn't stopped the North Korean government. Our sanctions against Iran haven't stopped the Iranian government, even though our sanctions surely have hurt the Iranian people. And our sanctions uh, uh, against uh, uh, against Russia, likewise. You know, they're going to hurt the Russian people, but the Russian elites don't care. You know, they they uh, they value winning World War III on and off the battlefield more than they do buckling to sanctions. And let me say this about sanctions too. Look, if Dr. Pry, you, you have such a grasp of this subject uh, in ways I can hardly imagine. To summarize for the average listener today, assuming they're still with us, uh, maybe people tuned out out of fear. I hope they didn't. If you were advising President Biden today, 
what would you say he should do to stop this before it gets worse or worse yet and becomes a nuclear war? What would you suggest Biden do? He should mobilize U.S. strategic nuclear forces the way the Russians have. You know, the Russians have put their nuclear forces on high alert. But wouldn't that escalate things if suddenly we're doing this? Wouldn't wouldn't Putin then panic? That's that's what the Union of Concerned Scientists are telling and, and other anti-nuclear activists are telling the Biden administration. And I'm not saying it's not without risk. It is it is risky. But I think it's even riskier to leave U.S. forces unmobilized and practically invite Russia to deliver a nuclear Pearl Harbor against us. Uh, I think the safer course is to mobilize our forces so that they're on a survivable posture uh, so that Russia will be less inclined to play its nuclear cards and to try to achieve a surprise attack. While we are mobilizing those forces, we should be simultaneously, immediately using all channels to inform the Kremlin that we don't want a nuclear war. We're not mobilizing our forces to attack Russia. We're mobilizing our forces because we're concerned that they mobilize their forces. And one of the first things we want to do is have both sides demobilize their nuclear forces so mm. that we're less likely to get into a nuclear war by, by accident. And, uh, and, and say we want a ceasefire in Ukraine, we want a chance for peace in Ukraine, and to negotiate a settlement of the Ukraine war on the terms of the peace treaty that you offered. And I'm not saying that we're going to agree to all the terms of that treaty, but we're going to start negotiating. And there are many terms of that treaty that I think we can accept. And this would be the beginning of hitting the reset button with Russia so that we could uh, so that not only could we end the Ukraine war, but we could perhaps uh, get Russia to be a neutral in the new Cold War with China or maybe even ideally uh, make Russia a strategic partner, you know, which is what we should have been doing all along since the end of the Cold War. You know, one of the things I think that makes China so aggressive is that Russia, being the most powerful nuclear superpower in the world, by far, as a partner with China, that has made both countries much more aggressive in their in their foreign policy and in their military actions. You know, there is a very incre- a greatly increased possibility of, of China invading Taiwan now because of the Ukraine war. But if, if China is isolated, if they lose their great power partner, Russia, and if Russia comes onto our side, I think the, the, the struggle will continue, but it will be more at a diplomatic and economic level and not at a military level. And we will have backed off that, that, that way from the, from the nuclear brink. I need to summarize something that you said four years ago at a meeting that a single nuclear EMP could kill 90% of Americans within a year. People don't realize what we're talking about. And you said before a U.S. House of Representatives panel that our enemies could detonate a hydrogen bomb uh, delivered by missile or satellites at an altitude of 30 to 400 kilometers that could create an EMP blast that would knock out the electrical grid. It would knock out all of our computers, no phones, no Internet. Cars wouldn't work. Refrigeration would go out. Food would spoil. Mass starvation. No clean water, no air traffic control, no financial transactions taking place. And there you go. Is that still true or are we hardened enough to prevent this? No, it's still true. In fact, it's even more true today uh, than when I said it, because 
Because as the microelectronics revolution continues to advance, and as our critical infrastructures become more and more dependent upon these uh, these systems, we also become more and more vulnerable. You know, every 10 years, there's uh, like a, a tenfold increase in the capabilities of microelectronics to operate faster, smaller, on lower voltages. And that is why we have had such a uh, advance in prosperity and technological miracles like this personal computer that I'm talking to you over have, have occurred. But at the same time, it makes us vulnerable because these systems aren't protected against EMP. They become approximately, you know, ten, tenfold more vulnerable when you, when you diminish the voltages on which they operate and the speeds and the size uh, of these things. So yes, that is still true. And the, uh, uh, the uh, threat of the 90% of the population dying, by the way, uh, that's not my own personal assessment. That's on the official assessment of the Congressional EMP Commission. We tried for 17 years on the EMP Commission to think, how do you keep 330 million Americans alive for, uh, without food and water for a year? And we couldn't come up with a way to do it. We only have such a large population today because we are an electronic civilization and it makes possible sustaining such large populations. Before there was electricity, like at the time of the American Civil War, the population of the United States was just 30 million. Well, Biden's bringing in a million illegal aliens every month to add to the to the the, the imbalance between resources and, and human beings. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Dr. Pry, any final thoughts on this very alarming topic at this alarming time in, in the history of the world? Yes, I was giving the Biden administration some credit during the show, and, and they deserve some credit for taking the MP threat seriously, but they're not taking it seriously enough. They're not putting resources fast enough. They're not acting fast enough. They need to stop doing studies and actually start protecting our electric grid and other critical infrastructures. Mm. And with what one hand they are giving to us, you know, uh, and, and at least acknowledging the EMP threat and putting some money behind it, they are more than taking away with their other hand because of the, their fixation on climate change, which is not an existential threat to our civilization. You know, this idea, uh, you know, putting hundreds of millions into EMP protection and trillions into climate change uh, and COVID is a real imbalance in where our priorities should be. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, the uh, windmills and solar panels are going to be a disaster for the for the big grid. They make why, us why would they be a disaster? Because they're they're easily uh, neutralized. Because the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. <laughs> okay. And these things are and they destabilize the big grid because of those factors and make it much more vulnerable to EMP and cyber warfare. You know, a, a solar solar panels are fine for a house for what what's called a microgrid. You know, if you want to run a hospital on an emergency basis with solar panels or a windmill, that's fine. But when you try to run the whole national grid, which is what Biden plans to do to combat climate change, you know, to add thousands of extra kilometers of power lines and have enormous solar wind solar farms and wind farms, you know, this is going to destabilize the grid. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's going in absolutely the wrong direction and will ultimately make us much more vulnerable to the threats we've been talking about here today. Is, there, guess, is there a single book that you have written or you can refer 
the listeners to this podcast to? Is there something they can refer to uh, other than this podcast to learn more about your, your, your insights on these subjects? Well, I'll give them, uh, here's a website, www.firstempcommission.org, www.firstempcommission.org. All of the unclassified reports of the EMP Commission are located on that website. And here's another website, www.emptaskforce.us, www.emptaskforce.us. That's my EMP task force, which is basically the successor to the EMP commission. And last, if I had to recommend one book about this topic, if you wanted to become an expert in one read, I would recommend the book, my book, The Power and the Light, The Power and the Light, The Congressional EMP Commission's War to Save America. The Power and the Light. Yeah, Uh, it, it was published in 2020. It's available under my name, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry from Amazon, and uh, uh, it, it describes all of this, the foundations of EMP science, uh, the EMP threats, the cyber threats, uh, and, you know, uh, and the political struggle. You know, the mm-hmm. problem with protecting our country from EMP has not been technological. We know how to do it. And it's not the money. It doesn't cost that much. It's the politics of EMP. And this will make you an expert on all of the above. People are going to want to learn more about this. Maybe it can change policy. I'm not that optimistic that anything would change the policy of the uh, JV team that's running the United States of America today. Dr. Pry, again, I uh, am humbled by this conversation. You're a man in, in almost in your own class, in your own category, and probably almost uh, a voice in the wilderness today in some ways. I, I, are they listening to you? Well, Congress has listened on both sides of the political aisle, and the White House obviously listened and, uh, and continues to listen. The problem, and you know, in the America that I grew up in, when we were still a constitutional republic, uh, if the president of the United States had signed an executive order to protect our country from EMP, the government would have saluted and it would have been done already. Yes. The Congress passed a bill to say, federal government, you're going to protect the country from EMP, and it would have been done. Yes. One of the things I think we've learned also from the Trump administration is that the crisis that our founding fathers anticipated has arrived. We now have this thing called the deep state or the administrative state, which has a mind and power all to its own. We're really not governed anymore by Congress or even by presidents, but these unelected bureaucrats Mm. and our fate is in their hands. Uh, A new aristocracy. Think of it as 100,000 Dr. Fauci's, you know, in Mm. in charge of our national security. And that's why we're not being protected. So. Uh, you know, we need a second American revolution. Hopefully it can be a peaceful one, you know, so, uh, so that the government will do what it's ordered to do when a president tells them to do it or when the Congress tells them to do it and not make excuses and say that doing endless studies is uh, is actually protecting the grid. You know, they haven't done anything to make us any safer than we were 20 years ago. And I want to thank you for having me on and becoming part of the solution. You know, by, because I know you have a huge audience and you are enormously popular. And uh, I know this is an esoteric subject, sometimes hard to understand, and sometimes technologically gets down into the weeds. But I thank you for yourself becoming an EMP warrior and, and helping educate the American people about this. Ultimately, what has to happen is the people have got to, got to get angry enough uh, to, uh, to have a second American revolution. Say, we're not going to take it anymore. We're going to say no to critical race theory. 
We're going to say no to taking away our guns, you know, and we're going to and we're going to demand that the government do its job and protect us, do their real job, provide for the national security and common defense the way the Constitution expects them to. Well, I, I'm not as optimistic as I should be after our conversation. In fact, it's bringing me back to my old survivalist roots of what would happen if this really happened. What would I do? What would I do for my family? Where would I go? Where would I live? How would I eat? And um, I, I've already made these plans. I did 30 years ago with a house with a well on it that's spring fed, you know, things like that. And I would hunt deer, all of this fantasy stuff for a city. Boy. No, no, no. Those survivalist roots. Are <laughs> Those survive, And that's one of the things that's happened to us, I think, as a civilization that we have arrived at this problem. You know, the great generation that lived through the Great Depression and survived World War II and the early Cold War, my mother and father's generation, uh, uh, they did, the word survivalist wasn't around then, but everybody was a survivalist. Yeah, in those days, they all were survivalists. That's true. People saw government fail in war and peace, and they were the last of the pioneer stock. Our Constitution, I think the kind of people the character, the American character was a rugged individualist who was believed in self-sufficiency and was proud that he would never take a handout, but could take care of his own family. Amen to that. Every American used to have that kind, those kinds of values. Now, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The great words of JFK, they've turned it around now, which is uh, only ask what your country can do for you. We don't care about doing anything for our country. That's where the ethos is today. Dr. Pry, I thank you very much. I myself am going to find the copy of The Power and the Light. I love the title. And uh, I hope we can speak again in the near future. Well, Dr. Pry, thank you very much and good luck. Bye now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.